Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Flesh Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The One Flesh Podcast is all about marriage, the essential union between man and woman. Uh, my goal is to help young men find a girlfriend and build a marriage worth having. Uh, we also have the Sunday series of the Purpose Podcast, where we help men find and fulfill their purpose. Uh, today, solo episode um, on marriage. Uh, I guess first I'll do baby update uh, since people like those. Um, everything's going good. Nursery's got two coats of paint on it on one wall. So, uh, slowly but surely getting better. Um, we've got a bunch of stuff that we got to do doctor wise and it's a lot, but, um, everything's going really well. So, uh, nothing super critical to add there. A lot of my friends are having kids at the same time. So, um, just some cool community stuff going on. Um, where everybody else is, uh, everybody else is kind of in the same boat that we are and it's really cool. So, uh, nothing huge. Um, going to have honestly a pretty short episode today. Um, I don't know, depending on how long I, I want to talk. Um, but yeah, everything else is going really well. Did some church stuff this past week, uh, baby appointments, all that's, everything's good. So, uh, yeah, the what I wanted to talk about today was one flesh. Really, it's not much, and it's not a full, fully fledged out, uh, comprehensive idea, which uh, most of mine aren't. Um, <clears throat> but uh, as you all know, I like to watch a little bit of TV occasionally. Um, I really don't. It's absolutely not a priority in my life. I don't watch it very often at all. Um, I'll watch it while I'm cooking or maybe an episode two after I'm done cooking. Oh man, big yawn. Been a long day guys. Um, but yeah, I'll watch a little bit while I'm cooking or eating dinner or whatever it might be. Uh, it's kind of just the mind numbing entertainment. And as a lot of you know, uh, I like to try to find lessons that I can learn, uh, from that TV or from music or from other podcasts, uh, I always like to look a little bit deeper into why they're saying the things that they're saying. Um, you know, maybe why the writers did this or why the writers did that or why they think it's okay to put certain things in certain sitcoms or, um, you know, this is a popular show. What are the values behind the show? So I like to analyze those things pretty heavily. I say heavily. I mean, it's, it's casual casual analysis but it's far heavier than anybody else you know most of the time people consider me very ridiculous and uh ridiculous and pedantic when i bring up that their favorite show actually has a bunch of values that um are contrary to theirs uh, you know i'll say oh you watch um uh, it's hard to without singling somebody out um you watch whatever Stranger Things. I know nothing about Stranger Things, but you watch Stranger Things. Well, the the core values of Stranger Things are completely opposite to you. They hate you. Um, and they really do. Like all the writers, whatever it might be. Uh, Marvel is getting that way. Uh, it's kind of funny. I have a buddy who uh, he's big, big into Marvel, and I've known him for a little bit. And even back, uh, even back, I don't know, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, twenty twenty one. Uh, I would tell them, I'm like, man, they hate you. Like they absolutely hate you. Anybody that has anything to do with those Marvel movies, they absolutely hate you. And I don't think you ever really got it. And then, uh, recently Marvel's just been so bad, uh, that 
it's now kind of undeniable. Um, and like I said, a lot of people think I'm pedantic. They're like, just watch the show, you know, watch the show and take it in for the entertainment value that it has. And to, to a certain degree, I can get that, um, to a certain degree it's whatever, but, um, but also that's how the culture, uh, disintegrates is you just, you forget about all the values that are behind the entertainment that you watch and you sit there and your mind goes numb and they slowly indoctrinate your children with things that you don't believe in and that are bad. Um, so there's a happy medium. Um, you know, I probably am on the other side of that medium where I analyze just a little bit too hard. I'd rather be on that side than the other side though. I think, what did I tell my buddy? I think that it's already gone now. Um, let's see. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I was trying to look for that, that text message because now I'm not gonna be able to forget. I said, I would rather have, uh, Oh, I had sent him. I was like, rule number one on Snapchat. I Snapchat a couple of my buddies religiously. Uh, I said, rule number one, never argue with somebody when they care more about the thing than you do. Um, so like, never have an argument with somebody when they care more about it than what you do. It's not worth it. Um, they're probably going to be less movable than you are. Or, you know, maybe I'm not. Let's take abortion, for example. I'll argue with somebody on abortion all day long, but I'm never going to like start an argument if they care if they're just so wildly pro-choice um that maybe that's a bad one because that's one that i'll almost always argue about because i care about it more than they do most of the time um what is one that texting and driving or seatbelt laws or stuff like that it's like dude i don't care um like i have an opinion on those things i just don't i don't want to argue about it and uh, I had sent that to my buddy of like never argue with somebody or clothes like some of the you know some of the people I work with like to give me hell about my clothes or something. Well, um, you know some of the things that I wear like my hat and my boots and all that stuff. It it's more of a culture. It has more cultural significance than it does uh, practical utility most of the time. Um, you know my boots have more cultural significance than what they do. You know fiscal or even physical utility. Uh, I could buy 10 pairs of, of $50 tennis shoes uh, in the time that I could buy these boots. I could resell these boots 10 times in the time that I could buy 100 pairs of those shoes. But regardless, um, I'm just not going to argue. Like, I'm just not going to argue. Sometimes I'll pick arguments for fun. Like, I had an argument with somebody about why, why I thought that they should uh, be peer pressured into smoking a cigar, which it's all in good fun. You know, like, we're all laughing. I don't. Dude, I don't care if you smoke a cigar or not. I really don't. Uh, but I'll, I'll, you know, stand up some like thinly veiled argument about like, oh yes, this, it's American tradition to, to smoke a cigar, and that's why I believe that you should embrace your your tradition, embrace your heritage, and and have a cigar. Like I, I argue for fun, and most people know that it's it's fun for me to argue. And uh, the more indefensible the position, uh, more indefensible, the position, uh that I'm taking sometimes the most fun it is because I get to like exercise my argument skills. Uh, there was one, there was one the other day where I was arguing with the leader of our group, uh, our men's accountability group, whatever it is at church, um, Bible study, you could call it. Uh, I was arguing with him about how, uh, soy rizo, it's like soy chorizo about how it's emblematic of, it's emblematic of the, 
symbolic of the decline of the West, I guess was the way that, that I said it of like this, this represents the decline of the West, the fact that we're making soy riso. Um, and to a certain degree, I, I believe that, but I was just arguing for fun anyway. Um, really off topic here, but, uh, I told my buddy, I was like, yeah, he said, I'm glad you finally realized that because used to, I, I would argue anything with anybody and I would mean it. And I told him, I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's better. Um, it's better now. I said, but I would rather have an opinion on everything than to live life through mindless apathy. Uh, you know, and, but influence is more important than letting everybody know your opinion. So I would rather have an opinion on everything than to go through life and have an opinion on nothing. Uh, but your, your influence, your influence only matters. Uh, you're sorry. My words are not easy today. Your opinion only matters if you have influence. So, you know, if you've got a friend who, um, likes this certain TV show and you have an opinion on just absolutely everything and they become numb, uh, to your opinions, well, then your opinion on his TV show is not going to make a difference at all. If, if every time it comes around, you're saying something about anything that he has to watch or anything that he has to play, um, eventually that influence, it's, it's like crying wolf. It's not going to be there. So even though you have an opinion on that, maybe you don't voice every single one of them, because when you do have an opinion that matters, that's when your influence kicks in. Uh, and if you have influence with this person, then you can actually sway them one way or another. So, um, I say all that to say that, um, do you need to analyze every single show and tell everybody about how, uh, that show is part of the liberal mind virus? Um, I would rather you do that than to, to ignore it all completely, but no, you don't have to do that. Anyway, that's what I do. Uh, whether I tell everybody or not, almost everything that I watch, I look, look at it through the lens of what are the values behind this? Uh, what can I take from this? Um, is it funny? Okay. It's funny, but what are, what are the actual values behind the story that I'm being told? Um, that was a long way to, to kind of justify why I look so deeply into the shows that I watch. And maybe I feel like I'm justifying this, uh, because the show that I watch is kind of a silly, stupid show. It's called the big bang theory. Um, I'm sure you've all heard of it. Uh, I was big into it when I was a kid cause they were all scientists and I wanted to be a scientist and I thought it was cool. Uh, at one point I wanted to go to MIT. Um, thank God I found myself at, at WTAMU instead of MIT. Um, I never would have survived at MIT. Not, not a chance. Um, I know, I don't know. I'm, this may be arrogant, but I'm probably smart enough to go and apply myself. But the moment I got there and met any one of those people, I probably would not have enjoyed it. <laughs> I just would not have enjoyed Boston or where, wherever the hell it's at. Uh, Massachusetts, I, I I wouldn't have enjoyed any of that. So I'm very glad I didn't go to MIT. But anyway, I was really into the show. And uh, so now I've been rewatching it. You know, like I said, as as we go to cook and stuff like that, uh, I'll rewatch some of the episodes. And it was kind of funny because, you know, looking at the values of the show, I mean, obviously it's set in Los Angeles. It, these are California people making it. Um, you know, like I, I knew going back into the show, I knew I was going to be disappointed at, at some point. Like I knew it was going to be kind of disappointing, but I also knew that they made, you know, made some, some off color jokes occasionally and, and that it wasn't just all bad. Like it is a comedy. Um, it is ironic. And, and I do have to say rewatching it has kind of ruined it for me. 
um, which I figured I honestly figured would happen. I wanted to go back and see how bad it really was. Um, now, you know, and it's, it's just, it's silly stuff. Like, um, like they've got the Christian mom that nobody really, they treat her, they treat her like, you know, a child or something like that. Uh, they've got the autistic, not, not autistic, uh, Christian mom with like the halfway, you know, autistic Sheldon that I don't think they ever say explicitly that he's autistic, but that's obviously the implication that he has like special interests and stuff like that. Um, but it's funny because, you know, they treat him as if he's the genius and she's the dummy. And then occasionally she'll have like a stroke of, of where she gets Sheldon to do what she wants. Um, but it's, it's kind of demeaning to Christians and people like that. Uh, which I think you can make jokes about that. I mean, I'm a big fan of King of the Hill, uh, which, you know, basically makes fun of my whole culture, um, in a nutshell. But, uh, so I don't, I don't think that, you know, Christian women are beyond, uh, mockery. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Uh, but it's just kind of like demeaning to them. And so that, that really kind of sucked. Um, you know, some of the family values, they, and that's where, that's what we're getting to eventually. But, uh, you know, these people all end up married and they all do marriage just a little bit differently. Um, but they kind of take and ruin what marriage is supposed to be. And that's, that's kind of what I'm here to talk about today. Of you know, I'm later into the seasons where everybody's married to everybody. You know, it's not like I'm going to ruin anything. It's been out for years, but everybody's married to everybody. And, uh, they, they kind of ruin marriage. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's like this shell. They treat it more like the formal contract than what, what it should be. And, and what's funny is, you know, the two people that I think have kind of the best marriage quote unquote in that is, uh, you know, Sheldon and Amy. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, they get married. I don't care. Um, you go watch it, I guess. But, uh, you know, Sheldon and Amy, they kind of have the best marriage and, you know, the implication is that they're just both the most ridiculous people and that it, it, I don't know. It's the value is like, they're not, they're not the reasonable ones. They're not the normal people. And, you know, from the outside, their marriage is supposed to look wacky and kooky. Uh, but to me, it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of exactly what marriage is supposed to be, you know? Uh, and I say even exactly, but it's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that looks like marriage looks like the most healthy marriage that I'm seeing on the screen, which is just funny because it's supposed to be like the most weird, like they've got a, a, you know, a marital contract and stuff like that. Um, but they're the ones that practice the least, the least type of contractual marriage. Like it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, but anyway, I'll get to the point. Um, what I really took issue with the other day was there was a whole episode, um, about, these couples coming together in marriage and there's this whole, you know, saga of, uh, one of the wives, she wants to keep her job, but she also wants to stay at home and the job ends up winning because she wants to be this high powered, uh, girl boss. And it's, it's rather, it's rather annoying. Um, it, it honestly just is not that you can't be a girl boss, not that you can't work. I've said it a million times. Uh, my mom worked a lot and, uh, in some circumstances when the oil field let my dad down, you know, she was able to put food on the family, you know, food on the table for uh, a while while, you know, he was out there uh, trying to find the next thing when the economy was down. So um, I'm not against women working, uh, but just this idea that the ultimate, 
the ultimate um, purpose of a woman is to be a girl boss and a mom that they can't just be a mom is, is ridiculous. That's not what I'm here to talk about, but uh, there's that saga. And then there's another saga between the, this other couple that they're trying to decide whether they want kids or not right now. And the girl doesn't want kids at all. Uh, the guy wants kids, but you know, he doesn't get a say in that because it's her body and all the, all this stuff of like, you know, I'm going to have kids, but, or, I don't want kids and you don't really get a say in that we're not actually married. We're just, we're individuals. Um, I have a feeling that eventually they may end up having kids or I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, they're just doing marriage wrong. And one of the ways that really struck me is there was this whole episode about um, how they didn't want like one at one part, it was the guys. And then at one part it was the girls and the guys and the girls. Uh, they didn't want to lose themselves in the marriage. And this is an issue. I think this is a big, big issue in modern dating uh, and in later stage dating. And I know that this might offend some people that listen to this. Um, there's like three people that listen to this and it might offend one of them. Um, but to me, this is a very big issue with later stage dating, uh, with, with putting off marriage uh, until a later date. It is what it is. Sometimes you got to. Sometimes the things don't work out. Sometimes you are trying to get married and it just doesn't work out. It is what it is. But at the very least, you need to be cognizant of it because there was this whole saga about how they didn't want to lose themselves. They had had their lives built up. They had already had their careers going. Uh, They were trying to come together and make, you know, two lives contractually fit uh, into, you know, coexistence. And it was very weird. And like I said, there was this whole episode about how they didn't want to lose themselves, how this part of themselves, the things that, that they cherished, they didn't want to lose that, um, in order to be married to this other person. Uh, you're going to have to get over that. Um, because that's kind of like the definition of marriage is that you give pieces of yourself up, uh, and you take on pieces of somebody else. Um, you give things and vital parts of yourself up uh and you take on somebody else that's that is that is marriage um that is marriage 101 is that you give these these desires uh and i'll i'll back this up i'll i'll caveat and couch and all that stuff um not couch this but like i don't know i caveat this and uh and <sighs> How do I how do I put this? I'll caveat this uh, and and add more context later. Um, but the idea is that you give parts of yourself up. Uh, careers, for example, um, not every career is conducive to marriage. Um, personally, I think if you're going to be traveling three weeks out of the month, that's probably not a career that's conducive to marriage. Uh, that, that's complementary to marriage. Uh, it's it's probably just not. I mean, can you do that for a year or two? While you're married, maybe, um, but I've seen people do that, and not many of them stay married, uh, not happily anyway. Um, some of them do, and they get through it, but not many of them do. So sometimes you might have to give up your career. Uh, sometimes you might have to give up that that big badass truck that you were paying for. You're making sixty sixty grand a year, and you've got a big old diesel. Uh, and you're able to pay for it and still put food on the table. But when you've got somebody else that comes into your home uh, and maybe their income doesn't cover their their half of the expenses, 
uh, well, then you're going to have to give up your diesel. That's what marriage is about. Marriage is about making not two incomes, but one income. How do we manage that one income? It may, it may have two different sources, but it's one income. Okay, you may have two jobs, but they both filter into the same bank account. It's one income. How do we make that income work? The home. It's one home. How do we make this home work? Sometimes people separate into different rooms. I have a podcast studio. The Ellen has an office that's about to be a nursery. Sometimes you can make that work. Uh, but if you're used to having, you know, a garage home gym or something, and you marry somebody with a really nice car that needs to be in a garage, you may have to move your home gym. Um, you know, whatever it might be, um, you've got to make two separate lives fit into one. That's how it works. If you maintain, if you maintain two separate, completely separate lives, that's what they'll be forever is two completely separate lives. If you've got your whole life and you're not willing to make any concessions on any part of your life, uh, then that's not marriage. (laughs) You're not coming together as one flesh. You're cohabitating, if even that sometimes. It's barely even cohabitation. Um, So there was this whole episode about how I don't want to lose this part of myself. I don't want to give this part of myself up um, because I feel like my identity is going away and I'm giving that, you know, giving that up for what marriage and kids and and responsibilities. Ew, gross. Um that was kind of the idea behind this episode. And it just struck me as really not good as like really not good. And, you know, somebody else made this point. Uh, I think it was Michael Knowles of why that's bad for, for older people that are dating when, when you wait until, you know, I've heard this a lot of, well, I want to go live my own life before I bring somebody else into it. Okay. I get that to a very, very small extent. Of I want to go live my own life before I bring somebody else into it. I want to go do things without somebody telling me no. Well, number one, friends, uh, I would say that that's that's kind of lazy, uh, because here's here's what you're gonna have to just okay, okay, uh, you're gonna have to justify. You're gonna say either the life I want to live, um, somebody else wouldn't approve of, so whoever you're married to wouldn't approve of, uh, so. I don't want to do that. And that could take many forms. That means I want to sleep with a bunch of women or I want to do a bunch of drugs or I want to, you know, drink a bunch of alcohol or I want to spend a bunch of money on myself and not spend any money on anybody else. Um, whatever that other, per- whoever that other person might be, you know, for a fact that just the fact that they are another person, they're not going to approve of it. I want to live my life before I live, you know, live life with somebody else. Okay. Well, then that's like, that's like an assertion that anybody else, no matter who it is, would not approve of the life that you want to live, which to me means that it's probably a selfish life. If you can't live the life that you want to live with somebody else, that means that you're probably about to do a lot of selfish things. And if I'm wrong on that, let me know. Uh, But I don't, I don't see any way to square that circle of, I want to live my life before I bring somebody else into it okay, well, what kind of life are you going to live that somebody else, quote unquote, somebody else wouldn't approve of? What do you, what do you think that life looks like? Because if anybody else on the face of the planet wouldn't approve of it, that means it's probably pretty selfish. Okay. Or you're worried that just 
that somebody might dislike it, or you're worried that you'll have to make concessions for somebody. Maybe it's somebody, maybe it's not that they just won't approve of it. Maybe it's that this girl that you might date, um, she actually really doesn't want to go to California. She doesn't really like California. And you're worried that all these places that you want to go, um, she just doesn't want to go to. It's not that she disapproves of travel or that she disapproves of you having the occasional bourbon or that she disapproves of whatever you might do, live in a nice house or drive a fancy car. It's just that maybe um, you have differences in the way that you want to achieve those goals. Welcome to marriage. Do you think that's going to stop at 40? No. (laughs) Do you think that's going to stop at 40? It's not. It's not going to stop. Um, You're always going to have differences that you have to work out. That is part of the beauty of marriage is that you have to have conflict resolution. That's what builds a better bond is having conflicts and resolving them. Um, Opening yourself up, getting hurt, uh, and fixing the hurt. That's what helps marriage. Opening yourself up, opening yourself up, um, having disagreements, fixing the disagreements. Okay. That's not going to be any different at 35 than it is at 25. It's not going to be any different at 32 than it is at 22. Really? You may be a little bit more immature, but it's not going to be much different at 18 than it is at 38. It's not the, 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 the matter at hand may be different at 18. You might be talking about crippling yourself with debt for the next 20 years. And at 38, it might be which, which lap blanket do we put on the, on the couch, but you're still going to have to have conflict resolution skills. So we've got two options here, either you don't want to let somebody into your life because it's a selfish life that you want to live. Um, and there's, there's a whole argument to be had about whether that's okay to live a selfish life. Um, I would argue that if you have the self-awareness enough to acknowledge that it's a selfish life, then you have the uh, moral, if, if you're, if you're self-aware enough to acknowledge that it's the, it's a selfish life, then you have the moral awareness or the moral intelligence enough to acknowledge that that's probably not the way you ought to live. If you can look me in the eye and say, hey, uh, I want to go be selfish for six years, then I would think that you probably have, uh, you're probably smart enough to get to, to really reason with yourself and say, well, maybe living for myself for all these years isn't the best way to live life. Um, there's an argument to be had there. Does that mean that you have to immediately get a girlfriend and spend all of your money on her? No, you don't. Ask me how I know, because I don't. Um, I spend much more money on myself than I do my wife uh, most of the time. That doesn't mean that you have to give up everything that you love. I don't have to sell all my pocket knives to keep my wife, but I do have to have conflict resolution skills and and some self-control, which I lack when it comes to pocket knives. Uh, I did actually walk into the pocket knife store and walk out without buying anything on Monday, so I was proud of myself there. Uh, But, you know, I can't just go buy every pocket knife that I have the money for. You know, I, I just can't, I can't tap out, you know, my expenses on pocket knives. Like I can, I might want to, or guns or whatever it might be. I still have to work with her on that. Um, so what, what anyway, what was I saying? Uh, I, I bet you would probably acknowledge that if you, if you could acknowledge that it's a selfish life that you want to live, I'd be willing to bet that you can acknowledge that that's probably not the best way to live your life. That those six years that you want to live a selfish life or whatever it might be, are probably better spent serving somebody else. It's probably going to make you a better human and you're probably going to get a better result. Uh, And then to me, the logical conclusion of if there's either the first one of you want to live a selfish life that nobody would be a fan of, 
of you being that selfish. Or uh, second option, option number two, is that they might there might be disagreements and to which this the second option is I think that you might be being a little bit lazy. Um, let's say that let's say that you just don't really want to go through the arguments and the work that it's going to take uh, to to meld your life into hers. You don't want to you don't want to have arguments about vacations. Let me let me tell you what everybody thinks that vacations are awesome. Um, I don't know if millions of dollars would make vacations better, but we have a lot of arguments about vacations. I mean, and again, I hesitate to use the word arguments. They're they're discussions because argument has a certain connotation to it. But um, where do we stay? What do we do? When do we leave? Uh, are we going to be on time? Uh, vacations, although they're often good, uh, vacations come with their fair share of arguments. Um, I would say that there are weekends that we spend at home that we have less arguments than what we do on vacation, on any vacation that we've been on. Um, where was I, where was I going with that? Um, I don't remember where I was going with that. Oh, I just, I just think you don't want to do the work. Um, I, I just, I just think you don't want to do the work, but unless you've got a lot of money, vacations are going to are going to have arguments no matter what you find the perfect person that wants to travel to all the places that you want to travel to. Um, maybe if you have all the money in the world, it, it won't be an argument, but then you're going to have to figure out what you go do on that vacation with all the money you've got. I guarantee you that vacations are going to have arguments no matter what. Um, I just think that it's, it's kind of a lazy point of view of like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to work that out with somebody else. Um, I want to do these things, but I just don't really want to go through all those arguments to work that out with somebody else. I want to live in a really nice house, but, uh, you know, maybe it's not a completely selfish aim. Maybe it's not, you know, I want to live in a, in a, in a shack, uh, but I want to have a, you know, 12,000 square foot garage or whatever it is, a 2000 square foot garage with a 500 square foot living place. Maybe it's not that selfish of an aim. Maybe you just want a really nice place, but you just don't want to put in the effort to find a nice place that both you and your significant other like to me. That's option number two is that you're not just completely selfish. You're just lazy. Um, that's, that's option number two is not selfish, but just lazy of like, I just really don't want to, don't want to do that. Um, option number three, there, there is a case to be made for, for having a goal and going to achieve that. I think that there is a case to be made for, I have this career goal. I have this sports goal. I have this financial goal I have whatever it might be and right now I have to drive forward very very hard uh towards this goal and that means I'm never going to be home don't even have time to date anybody now I'm working 12 days you know 12 hour days 7 days a week 5 days a week whatever it might be just don't have time for it um okay uh I I'll I'll accept that I'll accept that maybe it's it's not bad, you know. The selfish and the lazy; those have bad connotations. I'll accept that as like a good con, like a, a a good a good aim, a good goal that's presenting, you know, preventing you from having this, from having this uh, a relationship like that and pushing it off. Um, maybe that is a good goal. Maybe financial independence is a good goal. I get that. You're really gonna have to evaluate what's going to make you happier when you get to that goal. You really need to evaluate because financial independence, it depends on your time frame. 
financial independence can be achieved with a wife. And as a matter of fact, with the white, with the white, with the right wife, I fully believe that it helps way more. I think that my marriage has put me on a fast track, a faster track for financial independence than me living alone would have. Um, bar none, bar none. It's, it's pushed me to make more money. Uh, it has pushed me to not spend as much money. Um, it's pushed me to learn more things about myself and learn more things about finances, like life insurance, like buying a house, all of these things. Um, it's pushed me to be far, far better um, financially uh, in my work. I, I go to work happy. Um, I don't go to work upset. Uh, I have a, a good work-life balance because I care about what happens at home. Uh, you know, w- what's going to make you happier when you reach that goal? When you're, when you are Mr. You know, big swing and Johnson CEO, um, are you really going to be happy with that? Because the all evidence suggests no. I mean, all evidence that I've ever seen suggests that the people just really aren't that happy with that. Maybe if you find some way to dedicate your life to service of others after you become, you know, Mr. Big CEO, um, maybe you can be happy with that. Uh, my evidence suggests the, the evidence that I've seen suggests that you're probably really not going to be happy when you get there. If you don't invest something in a, a longer standing institution, um, like a family, if you don't, if you don't have your line continuing past your death, uh, or something to continue past your death, I don't, I, I, I just don't think you're going to be happy. And if it, if it doesn't have to do with service, if you're not, toiling in service to some other person and corporations don't count as people. I mean, you can't be like, Oh yes, I, I served, I served, uh, what, you know, Ford, the Ford motor company. I served the Ford motor company. Well, uh, for 60 years, sorry, dude, they will replace you. 60 year employee doesn't make a damn. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't even their, their CEO, they will trash you out the door. They will replace you. Those corporations are not people. Your grandkids are people. Your great grandkids are people. Um, you can make a bigger impact that's going to last longer through family than you can through corporations. Can you make change through corporations? Of course you can. Of course you can. You can make global change with corporations. Uh, I don't think that that's really the right type of change for somebody to be happy. I don't know. Could be wrong. I could be wrong. But you really need to do an evaluation of it, uh, of whether you're going to be happy when you get to that goal and how long that goal is actually going to take you to achieve. And what are the definitions of that goal? You need to, you need to strongly define that goal of, oh, well, I want to have this amount of finances. Uh, I want to have this job. I want to have this before I really start dating and getting serious about marriage. That needs to be a smart goal, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound. That's like the definition of a smart goal. Because if you allow scope creep into that, if you allow mission creep into that, you're looking very heavily at, 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 at ruining your life uh, because you failed to put definitions on a goal because you failed to make a smart goal. Uh, and now your happiness that you really want is a lot harder to come by. So those are kind of the three reasons that I've seen people put off uh, getting married intentionally. Like I said, everybody knows the guy that just can't find a girlfriend. Uh, everybody knows that guy. Um, I'm not, I'm not even here. I, I don't know that I could even speak from a position of authority to tell you how to find a girlfriend. Found mine in high school in the hallway. It really wasn't hard. I mean, um, 
for for me i mean we it kind of it just happened hey do you want to go to lunch yes i would like to go to lunch and then from then on it was just like dating and we were both ready for something a lot more serious than what we had had so you know i say what we had had she was kind of my first serious girlfriend so I, i don't i don't know how to tell you how to date as an adult i really don't like if you're looking for decent pickup lines and do i play hard to get i don't know i couldn't really tell you uh, but what I can tell you is that you need to get married. Um, if you desire that at all, you need to really work hard on getting married. That doesn't mean you're desperate with every girl. That doesn't mean on the second date you tell every girl that your intention to get is to, is to get married. Um, there is a tactic to get to dating and uh, to to um, getting those girls to like you and want to go out with you. I'm probably not the authority on that. Uh, once you get you know six months into it, then I can help you out. Once you get her to actually start dating you, uh, I can help you out. That's kind of what this is about. But uh, I will say that if it is if it is something you want to do, you need to do it early. Now, why do you need to do it early? And I've just laid out three reasons as to why you might not want to do it early. There's either a selfish life that you want to live, uh, you don't want to do the work to do that, or you've got a goal, which needs to be defined. I'll accept goal. If you say, hey, I really just want to get through med school, I'll accept that but you better have a really good definition. You better tell me how you're, you know, if you're going to be happy at the end of med school, uh, having not had a girlfriend yet, you know, a, a doctor is not, it's not very hard to get a girlfriend. I mean, to be honest. Um, so that is what it is. If your goal is to be completely financially independent and a millionaire before you try to find a girlfriend, I'll say, buddy, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. And a girl, you know, a good wife is going to help you get there a lot quicker than maybe you can do it by yourself. I don't know. Um, I don't know. At the very least, you have a chance at being happy when you get there. Maybe it takes five five years longer. You've got a much better chance at truly being happy in those circumstances with a wife and a family. Maybe more difficult. Honestly, it might be more difficult. Uh, I say it's going to be easier. I don't think it's going to be easier. I think you've got a better chance of being a millionaire with a wife. Um, but it may not be easier to do. I mean, if you just hunker down, live in a you know a shitty apartment get a $125,000 a year job and save, you'd probably be a millionaire pretty quick without a wife. Uh, and it may not be that difficult, but when you get there, you got a much better chance of happiness when you've got a million dollars in your bank account and a, a wife and kids running around than you do with just a million dollars, I believe. So anyway, those are, those are the three reasons. I'll accept number three. Number one and two, I'll say if you have enough self-awareness to acknowledge that, uh, if that sounds like you, then you have enough self-awareness to fix that. Uh, stop being selfish, stop being lazy, go find a girlfriend, go get married. If it's not for a goal, if it's not for anything like that, and you just want to go quote unquote, live your life, uh, figure out if it's one or two, figure out if it's a selfish life or if you're just lazy, uh, and remedy that it needs to be remedied. If it's for a goal, define the goal, define the goal very heavily and consider greatly consider, um, whether you're actually going to be happy when you get there or not. And again, here's what I will say. If your reply to me is, well, I don't really want to get married at all. I want to be a CEO. I would say, okay, there's not really anything that I can do to help you. Like you just don't want to get married at all. Then you'll live your life with, you know, CEO money and prostitutes and drugs, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Do whatever you want to do. Uh, But if your goal is I want to be a CEO before I get married, I'm going to say that is not a winning strategy to get married. That is not a winning strategy to get married. Has it happened? Yes. Can it happen? Yes. Not a winning strategy to get married. 
Absolutely not a winning strategy. Get married first. Um, or get married during. Not even first, but get married during that. Um, work on getting married now. Uh, because it's probably going to take a little bit longer than what you estimate. Uh, and by that time, it's going to be much more difficult. Let me get to that point. Why is it more difficult, I think, to get married when you're older? And you might say, well, Hoss, you've never gotten married while you're older. You're only 24 and you got married at 21 or 20, whatever it is. Uh, I think I got married at 21. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I did get married at 21. So you got married at 21. Well, you know, how would you know anything like what it's like to get married when you're older? Well, I know what it's like to get married when I'm young. So I could say the same thing to you. If you got married when you're older, you have no idea what it's like to get married young. But I also know what other people say. I can read and listen to what other people say. And I can see some of the things that I struggled with when we got married and how that could be worse if we were older. So that's kind of what I'm pulling on. Um, and it just makes logical sense. It just makes sense that it would be more difficult when you're older. Why? Because you've already established your life. Okay. If you've been living, let's say every year past 18, um, every year past 18 is one more degree of difficulty, uh, to, to getting married or, or one more year of your life that you have lived independently. Let's say you lived away from your parents moved away the moment that you turned 18. Well, from then on, you have to build your own life. You create your own habits. You create your own likes. You create your own dislikes. Um, the more that you get accustomed to those, and, and here's here's my point, is that you're going to experiment with a lot of stuff, and that's kind of a, a weird phrase, but you are. You're going to say, maybe I like this. Maybe I don't like this. You're going to cook this and see if you like that. You're going to not cook that and see if you don't like that. You're going to develop preferences. You're going to develop a style. You're going to develop um, a sense of humor. And every year, you're going to move to something new and keep the stuff that really means something to you. This dish that you learned how to make in 2019. Okay. You're going to try new stuff. But if you really liked that dish, you're going to keep that in your in your recipe book. And in 2020, maybe you try a couple new things, but that one stays there. Um, your taste in music. Maybe you find some new music in 2019. Okay, you try new music in 2020, but that one stays there. Eventually, you can only have, I, I, I truly think this, that people only have like a certain capacity for really a kind of a personality and a lifestyle and hobbies. Um, I, I really think that's true. And that's coming from somebody who wants to have like all the hobbies. Like I, I'm part of a, you wouldn't get this most people, but part of a raw hiders uh facebook group where they take rawhide and they braid rawhide and i think occasionally i'm like man it would be cool to learn how to do that and i think of like the list of things that i want to learn how to do and then the list of things that i enjoy doing and it's like yeah i'll probably never get to that i think people have like a defined list of not defined list but a, a capacity for things that they really can enjoy once you've developed your your music uh your music taste can they change yeah sure they can they can change a little bit but once you, I mean, once you're 35, are you really changing your taste in music all that much? I don't think you are. Are you really changing your your taste and appetite and your palate at, at you know at 35? I don't think you are. I think you've developed your life to to quite to a great extent, especially if you've been living that life alone. Um. Now you can always be introduced to new things. Can 35 year olds learn and enjoy new things? Yes. 
but their personalities, their sense of humor, uh, the way that they think about the world is going to be largely set in place. I mean, largely set in place. And at the very least, maybe you'll argue with me on that. No, 35-year-olds can change. It's going to be more difficult than an 18-year-old changing their mind. Nobody can argue with me on that. I can, I can get an 18-year-old to change their mind about something 10 times in a conversation. It's not that difficult, even myself. I could change my mind pretty easy at 18. And I thought I knew everything at 18. Um, smarter than most 18-year-olds, but um, there's been a lot of ways that I've changed my mind. Uh, it's probably more, more difficult to get me to change my mind in, at 24. Have I changed my mind on a few things? Yes, I have at 24. It's going to be even more difficult to get me to change my mind at 35. So maybe it's not set in place, but it's going to be more difficult. And if you argue with me on that, you've never met anybody, I guess. You've never thought about it, I guess. Um, it's going to be more difficult. Why does that matter for marriage? Well, because the act of marriage is changing yourselves, changing yourselves to be better for this other person and incorporating this other person into your life. Dylan and I, do we have slightly different music tastes? Yeah, occasionally occasionally we do. She likes to listen to some of the rock stuff, the, the older rock stuff that I guess her dad used to play on the radio or something like that. I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, she likes sweeter songs that honestly have just really laborious. If it, if it tells you anything, she listens to modern Christian music. Um, I know half of you just threw up. Um, yeah, so, but she also, we have a very common shared like for the Texas country stuff that I listen to. She likes it. I like it. There's stuff that I listen to that she really doesn't like, that she's not just a huge fan of. Um, you know, some of the funnier songs or something like that, that maybe she just doesn't get or whatever it might be. Um, we have a common shared taste of music. and We have different shared tastes of music. Um not shared, different shared. We have different tastes in music. And then we have like this shared conglomerate of music. We have something that we can agree upon. So that's how we've come together is that I know when we get in the vehicle, if I turn on Turnpike Troubadours, she's not going to throw up. Okay. That's, that's, that's the idea. And there are some things that I don't listen to when she's there. I'd skip over them. There's some things that she doesn't get to listen to. And I'll be honest, she's probably a lot more agreeable than I am. Uh, But there's still been some things that I've had to kind of give on. That's the idea of marriage is that you're going to give up pieces of yourself. Uh, you're going to give up this piece of your career. You're going to give up this aspiration. You're going to give up uh, this ambition and you're going to freely do it because something better awaits for you, your marriage. Um, something better awaits for you. And that giving up of something for somebody else is going to make you a better person. Uh, and it's the stuff that you're most scared to give up, uh, independence. Um, you know, I'm a very independent person. Uh, never, never would have thought that. And and I say that it depends on what you mean by independence. I like having people around. I like having people around me. I do not like going to dinner alone. I don't like eating out alone. Um, I like to have somebody to talk to. Uh, if I could talk to other people all day, I mean, literally all day, I could, I could have conversations with other people. Um, my buddy Brett and I, we talk almost twice a day on the phone. I mean, we literally do. I could talk to people all day. So I'm not just like an incredibly independent person, but there is a certain level of independence that I needed to give up for my, I'm also a very selfish person. Like I really am. I know my wife may tell you I'm not, 
hopefully she says I'm not, but people may think I'm not, really am pretty self-centered. I have to fight it very hard. And as a matter of fact, um, more more of my altruism, altruism, I guess is the way you would say it, is focused on not being selfish than it is being selfless, if that makes any sense. Um, it's less about like, what can I do for for other people and just how do I not be a selfish asshole? <laughs> That's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's more in the negative of like, I think I should do this so that I'm not selfish versus I think I should do this for other people. And hopefully that'll change. Uh, at least I'm doing those things, giving that money or whatever it might be. But I'm a selfish person. I'm going to have to give that up for my wife and kids. Like it's just how it's going to have to work. Um, the pocket knives that I want. Uh, perfect, perfect example. Uh, perfect example. I just looked up, there's a $300 bottle of bourbon, uh, that I bet, honestly, it was released 30 minutes ago and I bet there's not any available right now. Uh, I was, I was shocked that I was even able to catch it available. $300 bottle of bourbon would have loved to have it. It's 140 proof, uh, grain to glass, Texas, Texas whiskey. I wanted to buy it and I added it to the cart and I calculated the shipping and it got to the point where I had to pay for it. And I was like, nah, nah, I can't do that. I got other things. I got other things to do. That was a sacrifice. That was like, okay, no, can't have the three hundred dollar bottle of bourbon. Do I have the money in the bank account? I, I do. Um, I could make the money to put in there. Um, it wouldn't. I, I could shuffle things around, uh, but it would be a selfish decision. That money needs to go somewhere else. Um, so you have to give pieces of yourself up. That that fun hobby and and sport that you think that you like to do, you got to give that up. I haven't played COD with the boys in forever. Okay. Uh, I've been working out and doing all these things. I probably won't get on my Xbox. I it, honestly, I'll, I'll probably be a millionaire before I buy another Xbox. Like I have a PC may play some things on that. And I do occasionally, but before I ever have like another gaming console, I'll either have to find one stupid cheap or be a millionaire, honestly, just because my, my life is so focused on other things. So focused on other things. That's something that I gave up. Um, in order to be in a marriage, I couldn't just stay fat and, and, and not do those things. I, I have people depending on me. Um, so instead of playing games, I go and I work out. Um, is that partly for myself? Yes. But the majority of it is because I have a family to support. So, um, this is the idea. You, you give things up that you want, uh, selfishly, you give those pieces of yourself up and you, bring on somebody else because that other person and the act of doing so makes you a better person. I don't want to over talk it. Um, I don't want to over talk it. Like I said, this is probably a dual episode of why you should get married earlier and the importance of being okay with giving pieces of yourself up. Um, I'll add this. There are pieces that you don't need to give up. There are values. Uh, there are you know, political stances. Uh, there are, hobbies, um, not even hobbies, but passions that you don't need to give up for a marriage. And anybody that would ask you to give those things up, uh, that's not what you need to do. If you're a hunter, um, if you're a hunter and you really enjoy hunting and going and getting food for your family, that's not something you need to give up for a wife. That's not something you need to give up for a wife. You don't have to, uh, a lot of times. And, and I don't think, I think a lot of these guys that do give it up, they don't have to anyway. Um, that goes back to the lazy thing to me. I think that if you really need to evaluate if you're in a relationship or in a marriage and you're like, oh man, 
this part of me that I really like, this thing that is very, very important to me, I'm going to have to give that up in order to be in this marriage. I think oftentimes that is the laziest decision you can make. Oftentimes, I, I don't, I rarely see wives and husbands that they say, I just absolutely hate this about if it's something good like that, if it's a passion or a hobby, I rarely see husbands and wives that that really just say you can't do this anymore. I, I, I don't see that very often. I really don't. It's more often than not, there's a disagreement about it. Maybe it's the fact that she doesn't want you to be gone every Saturday and every Sunday for hunting season. That she doesn't like being alone for all of October, November, and December. Maybe that's what she doesn't like. Okay, well, <laughs> that means that you need to have a discussion about it, not give it up altogether. And I feel like that's what guys do. Their cars. Um, let's say you've got a really nice car, and you enjoy working on your vehicles. You enjoy having fast cars. Well, you get a wife and a kid, and the wife is, is moaning and groaning because you've spent all this money on your car. Well, there's multiple solutions there. A lot of guys will just give out the car and then they resent their wife for it later. You can also go make more money. <laughs> you can go make more money. You can talk to your wife. You can set out a budget for car stuff. Okay, there is work that can be done to keep these things around. And maybe neither of you have the skills to express that. Maybe both of you think that the enemy, maybe she thinks the enemy is the car. She thinks that this car is what's causing all the, 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 the fight between you and her. And she hates that car. Well, you need to express the fact that it's not the car. It's actually your habits around the car. It's the way that you treat the car. Take ownership of that. It's not the hunting. It's the way that you treat the hunting. It's because you hold the hunting in higher regard than you hold her. You would rather go hunting than be married. And so, she hates the hunting. Well, you need to explain the fact that hey look there is things that i there are things that i can do that i think will help the situation let's figure out a solution you don't just need to give it up and that's and that's especially not a good reason to not get married okay if work i i had a buddy the other day that uh and i don't know if this is his situation it may not be just speculating on the situation it's 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 speculation nothing more so if you listen to this don't take this personally um his his girlfriend wasn't happy with the amount that he worked that you know she would they would come home and <laughs> she would want to talk about stuff and things and he's got to get up and go to work early um and he's tired and so he doesn't want to talk about stuff and things and again i don't know the situation may not be a great situation again don't take it personally what are the things that you can do to get over that it's not a reason to not get married it's 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 just it's frankly it's not I had to deal with that. Um, I had to deal with the other way around. You know, maybe she wants to hear more from you. I had to deal with hearing too much from her, and she'll be the first one to admit that. I that's what I had to deal with. Was I had I got to go to work early. I am mentally exhausted. I just blew my whole brains and body out at CrossFit. Um, just worked my you know worked myself into the ground, and you're telling me about all of the things that happened in your day. And I don't have the mental capacity to handle that. I had to work through that before I got married. I have to work through that presently. You have to work at those things. So 
if, if you think that you're having to give a piece of yourself, if you think that you're going to have to work less in order to keep this girl, I bet you're wrong. I, I just, I bet you're wrong. I bet that you can work out a solution. And I bet that you need to start trying. If you want to get married to any girl, uh, you need to start taking ownership of the, of the way that hunting is making her feel. You need to figure out a solution. You need to present that solution to her and you need to enact that solution. And if it doesn't work, you need to figure out another solution. Maybe she's just not the one for you. Possibly. I bet you can take ownership of fi- and figure it out. Um, you know what might help you with the work thing? You set one night out a week. One night out a week. Uh, it's scheduled date night. I will always give credit to Scott and Ellie for this. They, they caught this before I ever did. Um, you set out date night. Every Thursday you go to date night. I don't care if your whole business is burning down. Take it this seriously. If your whole business is burning down, obviously, I'm hyperbole, but you've got 13 deliveries, whatever it might be, you find a way to make it to date night. Maybe put it on a not work day. Okay, that's probably the smarter thing to do. Friday night. Friday night, whenever you can make it work, that is date night. And you never miss it. Not once. You don't miss it. That's a solution. And you tell her on a Tuesday when she wants to talk about stuff and things and you've got to get up at five in the morning and you worked until seven in the in the evening, you say, hey, look, dear, I, I want to listen to you. I want to talk with you. Can we can we wait till date night? I've got to be up at five in the morning. That's what it is. That, that it, it is what it is. OK, uh, maybe. I understand how businesses are, understand how that stuff goes. I completely understand the fact that you may have to work late. Is it a possibility that you're working late because you like to work? Is that possible? That's all I'm asking. Is it possible that you're working late because you like to work? Because I've met too many people, too many people that go, oh man, my workload's just tough. I'm working 13, 14 hour days. And it's like, dude, I don't think you would, I, I don't, I think I could offer to buy your meals for the next month to get you to leave this job two hours earlier on a Monday and you would tell me that you would take that and you would find every reason not to because you like doing what you do. Is that the case? Well, you're going to have to decide whether you like that more than you like the girl. That's that is what it is. Or you're going to have to understand that even as much as you like the job, you're going to have to, to make sacrifices or whatever it might be to not work as late. You're going to have to hire other people. You're going to have to delegate a little bit better. You're going to have to get better with your leadership. You're going to have to get more prepared. Maybe you get a, get there earlier in the morning. I don't know what it might be. I'm not saying that you have to do anything. What what but figure something out. It's not it's not a good enough reason not to get married. Um you you don't have to give up you're going to have to give up a piece of what you want. You're going to have to give something up to be married. And before you give that thing up just totally and completely, try to work out a solution. Because uh, that's that's the worst case scenario is that you end up marrying this girl and then you give up the things that you really do like to enjoy instead of making them work. This is this is uh and let's see, are we already in an hour? Man, I thought this was gonna be a short episode. I do it every time, uh, every single time. Uh, this is part of the. Uh, this is part of my uh, and I got this from Jordan Peterson, but uh, I don't compromise. I negotiate. Ellen and I, we don't compromise, we negotiate. Um, if it's something we both care about, 
if it's something that we both have stake in, uh, we negotiate. We don't compromise. What's the difference? Compromise, you give up. That, that's, that's what it is. Uh, and you can argue with me on this if you want, but compromise, you give up. Compromise, you're throwing your hands up in the air. I give up. Negotiation, you're coming to a solution that you both endorse. Now, there is a time for compromise. Yes, I get it. Typically, again, don't argue with somebody that, that cares more about the thing than what you do. Ellen comes to me and she cares greatly about the baby invitations and I really don't. Well, then she wins. Compromise, whatever. Um, but if it's something that we both care about, if it's something that, that means a lot to me, something that means a lot to her, time after work means a lot to her, work means a lot to me, negotiate. Don't compromise. Don't just give up. That's where resentment starts. Negotiate. Don't compromise. Um, the difference is that you both endorse the solution fully. The difference is that you're both 100% in line with the solution. So, guys, I've touched on a lot of topics here. Uh, voice is getting tired. It's about time for bed. Um, I've still got to post this, so I think I'm going to cut it here. But don't be afraid to lose yourself for somebody else. I promise it's worth it. Um, don't wait. Don't, don't try to, don't chase all those things in your early years, uh, that are quote unquote preventing you from keeping, you know, from getting married or finding a girlfriend or from even wanting to, uh, try to determine if it's selfish, if it's lazy, uh, try to determine if it's a goal, if it's goal oriented. Um, and to be fair, I'm not saying you're a bad person. If you have any one of those, those are all things that I had to work through all 100% things that I had to work through. It's not like, I think everybody has to work through that. Uh, everybody has to work through being selfish. Everybody has to work through being lazy. Everybody else has to orient their marriage around their goals. Um, to a certain degree, to a certain degree. I think I was more willing to work with those things because I saw more of the value in marriage. Um, I wanted it earlier than what other people did. I still had to work through the selfishness, the laziness, uh, and the other goals in my life. It's not like I didn't have to do that. It's not like I'm some special person that isn't selfish or lazy or goal-oriented. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, what I'm saying is that if you are putting off getting married, I think it's probably one of those three things, and you need to evaluate them. So don't put off getting married. Understand that you're going to have to lose a piece of yourself to get married. Uh, don't just freely give that up if it's something that's important to you. Figure out a way around it. Don't let resentment build. Uh, get married earlier. It's going to be easier to do these things. It's going to be easier to meld two personalities when you get married earlier. Uh, you can become one truly instead of trying to fit two lives into one, two separate lives, uh, work them together. It, it, I'm going to over talk the hell out of this. It's it's less like puzzle pieces and more like Play-Doh. When you're 32, it's like puzzle pieces. Can you make it work? Yeah, a lot easier to separate than Play-Doh. Good marriages are Play-Doh. Good marriages, you take the red and the blue Play-Doh and you make purple Play-Doh. Um, not to say that you can't make good marriages out of puzzle pieces. Uh, but to me, that's what, it, that's what it's like. Is you're taking and you're putting together a puzzle. Uh, it's a lot easier to separate. You're never going to get the red and the blue Play-Doh apart. You're just not. Um, to me, that's what an early marriage is like. It's a lot more pliable. Uh, these people, you can mesh them into one another. Uh, that's, that's fine. Um, puzzle pieces, it can still work. You can still have a happy marriage. Uh, 
especially if it's based around the right values. If your values are correct at 35, uh, both of your values are in the right place at 35, you're, you've got a much better, you're going to have a good marriage. If that's where you're, if, if your values are correctly centered, you're going to have a good marriage. Not that it can't happen. I think it's going to be much more difficult. To me, it looks more like puzzle pieces, puzzle pieces than it does Play-Doh. Three-year-old can put Play-Doh together. Three-year-old's going to have a hard time putting together a decent set of puzzle pieces. So that's my point, guys. Um, yeah, if you enjoyed it, let me know. Uh, go share the show. Uh, nobody shares the show. Go share the show. If you're listening to this, go share the show. Why do you not share the show? Um, go share it. Uh, like me on Instagram, follow on Instagram at the underscore purpose podcast, and we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks.